catching you up on the latest stories from around the Sunshine State that you should know heading into this Thursday morning, August 4th. I'm Jacob Sedesi. And I'm Elliot Trito. And this is The Point from WUFT News. New research indicates that human pollution influences the severity of red tides more directly than scientists previously understood. I spoke with WUFT's Marlo Starling about how the connection sheds light on the need for better water quality monitoring statewide to reduce the nutrient pollution flowing into Florida's waterways. Here's Marlo. I wrote this piece for WFT News um, as part of the Pulitzer Center's grant funding for Connected Coastlines Reporting Initiative. And the basis of our project, which is called Watershed, was to highlight stories from around the state of Florida and beyond that point toward this 50-year mark that we are in this year after the passage of the Clean Water Act. So all of these stories have something to do with water quality, and um, all of them are really diverse and take different angles on things. Um, And the story that I wrote for the project, Red Handed, is about a recent study from the um, UF Center for Coastal Solutions that, for the first time, is really drawing a direct link between human activity and pollution sources on land and intensified red tide. So red tide is a natural phenomenon. It is these single-celled organisms that naturally occur. It's not something that's bad, per se, on its own. But as most of us know who are residents of Florida, red tide can become a really big problem, especially on the southwest coast. So when these organisms kind of grow out of control more than they should be, that's when you create this oxygen depleted zone. um, And it can result in fish kills and a variety of other um, problems in the ecosystem. Um, So what the study did for the first time was we've always known that pollution, of course, probably causes some problems and can potentially make red tide worse, but we didn't really know for sure that there was this direct link. So using some very advanced statistical analyses, using a pretty robust data monitoring source along the Caloosahatchee River, which is where this study took place, they were able to kind of make that direct connection. Um, So it's, you know, it, it might seem like a small scale thing, you know, in one particular part of Florida, but really the big picture of this um, was pretty significant. Now, can you tell me about the section in your article that talks about algal blooms? Yeah, so in the section of the story that's subtitled The History of Blooms, um, really the point that we were trying to make here was that when you have a red time bloom, so to speak, so this word bloom refers to that period when it kind of gets out of control, that turns into a negative thing, not only for you know marine life, but also for people. People who live along the Southwest coast will already know this if you're listening, but when you get those you know watery eyes, maybe or kind of itchy eyes, and if you're someone who already has asthma or some other you know um, lung condition, you might be more sensitive to the effects of, of red tide. So th- this is something that is naturally occurring, yes, but when it grows out of control, it's a bad thing. Now, not only is it something that's naturally occurring, but in recent years, say, let's look at just the past two decades alone, red tide has seemed to be getting worse, or at least has been more frequent in terms of really big, bad blooms that are kind of nasty that are not good to people or the environment. Now, let's say I'm a Florida resident, but I don't live near a place where red tides occur. Why should I care about this? That's a great question. That's the basis of what we do, right? Um, So yeah, I mean, 
for the average Floridian, um, you know, maybe you're in a part of Florida that's not even affected by red tide. Um, I'm from Miami and red tide isn't really something that we are, that we deal with on the East Coast here that much at all. Um, I, you know, not to my knowledge, we have other issues, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's really, at, at the, the bottom line is that it's an indicator that as these blooms have gotten more and more severe and caused more and more problems, this is an indicator of our water quality issues in Florida. So part of that is nitrogen. So that's what this study was looking at was the, the connection between um, nitrogen pollution and whether that was, you know, having any kind of effect on how severe these blooms were and when these blooms were occurring. And this was something that was really difficult for the scientists to be able to do because it wasn't like a cause and effect relationship where it was immediate, right? So you've got an influx of pollution coming down the Caloosahatchee River and then several weeks later, let's say, then you would see a little bit of a bloom. So making that connection, of course, wasn't easy because you can't just say, oh, well, we think that this is happening because of this when there's that much of a lag time. So that's what made, that's another thing that made this study quite significant. But yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, if now that, now that we can officially say that nitrogen pollution caused by humans is intensifying red tide, not only should we be concerned, of course, about the people living along that coastline, who are going to suffer the health impacts of that. Um, and of course, we should, we should, you know, be concerned about the environment as well, because we have, we benefit so much from our environment, aside from just it being beautiful, but you know, all the other, all the other resources that that provides for us. That was WUFT's Marlo Starling on how human pollution influences the severity of red tides. Now, let's catch you up on today's top stories from around the state. A new documentary highlights one woman who is deaf and has autism and her experience in North Central Florida's justice system, which includes a lack of accessibility for people like her. WUFT's Katie Heisen spoke with several members of the production team for the documentary titled Being Michelle. It covers the story of a deaf woman with autism who survived abuse and incarceration in North Central Florida. Now she depicts her trauma in her artwork to heal. The filmmakers say that though the story is set in North Central Florida, this issue exists across the nation. You can watch the full interview or read a condensed version at WUFT.org. Governor Ron DeSantis claims concern over monkeypox is overblown. Politico's Eric Sarkissian reports DeSantis equates the fears surrounding the disease to that of COVID-19 and said Wednesday that politicians and the media have overblown its severity. As of Tuesday, Florida had 525 monkeypox infections, up 350 from last week, according to a state database. As of Monday, it had the fifth highest number of cases in the nation, according to the CDC. DeSantis also attacked New York Governor Kathy Hochul for declaring a state of emergency over the disease outbreak, saying he thinks it was a move to restrict people's freedoms. Two rocket launches are booked today in a rare back-to-back -back launch day. WMFE's Brendan Byrne reports SpaceX intends to launch a satellite tonight after United Launch Alliance sent a Space Force satellite into orbit early this morning. Subscribe to The Point Newsletter, which drops the latest Florida stories into your inbox every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Visit WUFT.org for more information. I'm Elliot Trito. And I'm Jacob Sedesi. And you've been listening to The Point from WUFT News out of the University of Florida. Have a great Thursday.